I'm David Poyser, a journalist, and welcome to the 14th episode of PESPOD, the insider's guide to the PES network made for European PES. Today, we're in the heart of the European Union, in Brussels, which has its own PES called Actiris. Actiris is a leading light in diversity, both as an employer, you can see Actiris proudly represented in the annual Brussels Gay Pride March, and while, like many PES, women form the backbone of Actiris employees, in Actiris 61% of managers are women as well. Over half of Actiris employers have origins outside Belgium, and over half of them are from outside the EU. Actiris is very welcoming to people with disabilities. I could carry on. Like most PES, Actiris also seeks to find jobs for people from diverse backgrounds. And in Brussels, as in so many other cities, more than three quarters of Brussels job seekers come from outside Belgium. Together with employers, Actiris has created diversity plans that have helped Actiris find jobs for a wider pool of job seekers. One employer... BNY Mellon, the well-known international bank, has had a particularly successful relationship with Actiris for some years now. Like Actiris, BNY Mellon is a successful diversity champion, and the partnership with BNY Mellon has helped the bank achieve its diversity goals. So now both Actiris and BNY Mellon are keen to encourage other pairs across Europe to replicate this successful partnership. So for the first time, an employer has been invited and agreed to come and talk to PESPOD. I'm with Björn Storum, the Chief Executive Officer. That's the CEO of BNY Mellon Brussels. Hello, Björn. Hello, David. Thanks for having Hi. me. And once again, I'm with the Deputy CEO of the Brussels Pairs, Caroline Moncel. Hi, Caroline. Hi. Hi. Hi, David. Nice to talk to you again. <laughs> so, first to you, Björn. So why does a successful international bank like BNY Mellon want to have a more diverse workforce? Is it because it makes the bank more productive or is it because it's the right thing to do? <laughs> I think it's both, but the starting point is really it's the right thing to do from our perspective. Um, we looked into setting up, and that was a multi-year process across all the 35 countries globally that we operate in and involving really all the 50,000 employees that we have globally, we put together our purpose-driven growth agenda, as we call it. And in it, we defined our vision. And it says to define what it means to be the trusted financial institution for the next generation of clients and employees. And you see the and employees bit is where we're starting, really. And when we looked in that process into where we're starting off from and when we considered our values and behaviors of our bank that has a long history, 238 years, you know, founded in 1784. The one very thing old for an American bank, often, isn't it? It is, it is the oldest American bank, actually, David. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Five years before the US dollar was even put into place. Think about that, yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's but, impressive. But 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 the one yeah. thing that kept on coming up when we spoke to our employees and uh, brought that together was uh, our value as a strength and diversity. And really we asked, we seek out who's missing at the table and help everyone feel included. And there you are, you get very quickly to that topic of diverse abilities in the firm. So it's the right thing to do and it's what we think. But then also to your point and to your question, there is the second element of um, 
we also strongly believe there is enough empirical evidence by now, and it's not disputed, that diverse teams are better, better in running a bank, better in managing a client relationship, better in achieving results. So there are both sides to it. The starting point was our purpose-driven growth agenda and the value, strength and diversity. So, Caroline, I don't think um, Actires has been going as long as BNY Mellon. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think about that? What he just, what you just heard from BNY? Well, Mellon? I'm really glad that a bank does not only do this for commercial and marketing purposes. I think that's a rare thing, and that's exactly what we need. That. Especially in Brussels also. You mentioned our very international cosmopolitan workforce. Did you know that we are the most cosmopolitan city in the world after Dubai? Hooray. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Even so more than London and New York. Well done, Brussels. Yeah, well, nobody seems to know, but okay, we do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's really important for us that employers are aware of this and that they have to be inclusive and that's the only way to get the best people and the best match and that's also why we're there because we have the biggest database of available workforce in Brussels and they are very diverse and especially today you know everybody's complaining about the shortage on the labor market of people so it's a real win-win you know if companies are aware that they need this diverse workforce, the matching will be much easier. And not necessarily with BNY Mellon, but generally, how do you create these partnerships with employers, Caroline? How does Actoris set about it? Maybe I could say something about why we started doing this, of course, because of, um, of the necessity uh, to make sure there is less discrimination. It was really a political choice of the Brussels region to invest in diversity and also in anti-discrimination, but that's not what we're talking about today. We really wanted to raise chances of, of job seekers. But how we go about it, it's a whole process, you know, whereby our consultants, they get in touch with, uh, with employers interested in having a diversity plan, and they start with an internal working group in the company, with also with trade unions around the table. That's very important. They analyze the situation in the company and determine the goals of the diversity plans because every company is different. They all have different needs. And then they establish an action plan with very concrete actions everybody agrees with. I'm sure Björn will give some examples, so, so I won't give any. And then they implement them. And that's a whole process that can take some time. It can take up to two years. And then we evaluate them. And uh, if they're successful, we eventually give them an official label as a diversity company. Wow. Mm -hmm. So can they put that on their wall then? Yes. And, and be and very a, and a, uh, <laughs> proud about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned it was a bank. Does it work for any companies? Are there some companies where you've had problems setting this up? Well, it's a question of mindset, you know. If the mindset is right, then... Any company can do it because up to today we've done 332 diversity plans, which proves that it can work. 
And in, a, in total, this affects 100,000 employees in Brussels, which is quite uh, impressive. Yeah, as a percentage, because Brussels is a relatively small city, isn't it? It's relatively small if you compare it to, to Paris or London, of course. But we yeah. do have about 740,000 jobs. So, so it's 200,000 of 700,000? No, 100,000. So it's 100,000 of 700,000, yeah. Yes. That's a lot. That's quite a lot, yes. Mm. So, so we, we try to raise the awareness of those companies that diversity is an asset, as, as Bjorn said. And... What sort of resources do you put into this? You've got, you mentioned the diversity unit. We define diversity in different ways. We focus on different target groups and different action areas. So diversity in terms of age, young people, older people, nationality and origin, of course, disability, gender, and then people without an education, without a secondary education and then they can work on uh, recruitment and selection on human resources management on communication awareness raising and external positioning so the, a lot is is possible but it's really tailor-made in uh, according to the needs of each company and there are different kinds of diversity plans you can have a more global one with which targets all those different groups and you can have more thematic ones for example BNY Mellon made two plans first a global one and then a thematic one focusing disability so that leads us wonderfully into you Bjorn and you may have examples. What are your feelings on the process of working with Actiris? We like it a lot, I have to say. Uh, we like it a lot because it helps us learning from others. And, uh, you know, it's just been said by Caroline how many different employers Actiris has reached out to in different uh, industries as well, right? So for us, it's important that we don't um, confine ourselves just to us as an institution and our own industry, but that we do learn from others. Um, and Actiris is a perfect partner for doing so. Um, as Carolyn said, we embarked on the journey uh, a few years ago, actually, and by now have worked on two plans, a global plan and a thematic plan. The thematic plan is indeed the one that is coming to an end uh, right now in the planning phase and will uh, hopefully lead to the diversity and inclusion label. Uh, as you said, David, you can put that on the wall, but more importantly, it is a testament of how seriously we are taking the process. And it is also a, a tool for us to see, have we thought about the right things and have we thought about all of them? And uh, have we learned from others? And likewise, we would hope, are we giving back to others uh, through Actiris and you know, it, it works. It, it works two-sided, and that's uh, and that's the good thing. Um, so, our process internally to embark on that journey was that we used what we call employee and business resource groups. Um, and I should explain a little bit what it is. So, every Please employee, do. of course, has their their day-to-day -day job. But we encourage all the employees, and that's not just in Brussels in the headquarter of the European Bank or in the branches of the European Bank through its nine branches that we have across Europe, but it's also globally. We encourage 
all of our employees to be active in one or more, actually, of the employee and business resource groups, as we call them. And one of them, which has the closest link here to the diverse ability topic, as we call it, is uh, a group called HART. It's called HART because it's close to our heart, but it's also an abbreviation or an acronym, uh, and it means helping each ability by respecting and teaching. So you see where we're coming from. We encourage our own employees to be part of th these groups and they connect across lines of business and across the functions that they work in uh, and try to see how we can advance our own, um, our own, in this case, diversity usage and implementation across the firm. And it can include many things. One good example and an easy example to understand was we recently moved our headquarter and it was implemented right at the beginning of the process to say this new headquarter needs to be a location where wheelchair users can uh, can come and work with uh, without problems it needs to sorry you just be said inclusive. wheelchair users didn't you that's right yeah well, yeah that's yeah yeah, yeah. for, for instance or 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 people that are dependent on public transport it's right there for instance right in getting the etc pp so it was in, implemented very much in the heart of that process to make it accessible to everyone and uh, and encourage everyone to go or another example would be we're coming hopefully out of the pandemic uh these uh, these days and months and of course there was a lot of talk on our return to office approach uh, how many days will we be spending in the office and there are many aspects of it but early on in that process it was very clear that we we're also thinking about those who find it hard to come to the office, and uh, and that could be for uh, for their for their handicapped uh, reasons, for instance, right? So we have implemented it to the nuts and to the bolts of that process, and our own employee and business resource groups helps us in doing so because it's not really diversity and inclusion cannot be only a top-down approach; it needs to be interwoven in in the uh, in the fabric. Of, of the company and all its employees. It's funny, that's just what Caroline just said, isn't it? It's, it's a mindset. Yeah, it's not just a CEO that has to be uh, uh, convinced about this because that, that never works. Everybody, the whole company has to, has to feel the same about this. It has to be a bottom-up and top-down thing to do. And I really like what you did up till now, really. They're very nice examples. So Bjorn and Caroline, it's interesting. You're both saying very similar things. Was there any doubt, Bjorn, about working with the public employment service? Were the people worried in the private bank or did they feel this was the right way to go? I'm trying to encourage mm -hmm. other public employment services who are listening to work with local <laughs> banks. <laughs> Bjorn, and, and, and just, so are just we. pretend that I'm not here. Huh? Just pretend <laughs> exactly, that yeah. I'm not here. No, please. no, okay, I'll rephrase please. that. What was it that's so lovely about Actirius that, that made every <laughs> that made everybody in Beard uh, White Melon think this is the no, people no. we should work with? I think the starting point is you can have, to, to Caroline's point, you can have a top-down idea of tone from the top and you want to do it 
and you want to foster diversity, equity, inclusion. That's good. You also need the bottom-up thing, yes. But then I think an important step is to say you don't know everything yourself. Yeah, You need to be prepared to listen to others and learn from others. We reached out, for instance, to uh, a non-for-profit organization in Brussels called Diversicom, and we got their input and learned from others. And then they brought us together with Actiris. We spoke to Actiris. We thought this is a, a, a common journey that we can embark upon and then did indeed a few years ago. I think it's the willingness to listen to others that will get you further as opposed to trying to do everything uh, on your own. There are many good things that you, that you can learn out there. And as examples, you know, we spoke about the working environment. We spoke about working from home. That is uh, stuff that we can share, of course. Um, we learned about job fairs, for instance, and that increases your abilities to be present to those groups that we may not have targeted beforehand because we were very much focused on specific universities, for instance, or specific uh, degrees. Or, or maybe um, on then, the way you, you reach out to people. Or if it's only digitally, then some people just don't, you miss them out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So job fairs are a wonderful example, aren't they? Where you can have a, find a more diverse range of people to look at, to employ. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. 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 Mm. And what about languages? Do any of you have experience on hiring people with poor language abilities? Because that's quite a common issue in Europe, I think. In Brussels, it is, um, it's an important topic because most of the jobs require language competences and many job seekers only know one language if they already do know a an official language of the Brussels region, be it French or Dutch. So um, it is um, a problem. That's also why we, we pay for language courses for job seekers. Mm. Bjorn, what about... For us, if I may, if I may chime yeah. in, for us, yeah. uh, David, your question was, the language issue was the, the greatest hurdle and the greatest challenge for us. And, and what I mean by that, Brussels is a great place to be when it comes to multinational, uh, a multinational home, a lot of people from all over the planet actually coming together and, uh, and, and living and working together. And then by definition in Belgium, uh, many of the people that you will meet speak two or sometimes three languages. I'm one of these, these examples that you can, even with a poor French and, and virtually no uh, no Dutch abilities, mm -hmm. you can survive in Brussels and work, right? <laughs> However, for us, um, we felt that when we looked into hiring pools, for instance, uh, they pretty quickly shrunk when it comes to the ability to speak good English. And what I mean by that is not just the English that you would need as a, as a tourist if you go to the mm -hmm. UK or the US, but but the ability to interact with colleagues on a on a basis that you can you know start legal uh, drafting legal email all of our emails for instance internally would be in English. Well, you know, we also offer English courses, huh? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that, that's the best driver. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the best driver in in, in advancing that because that yeah. that was, if anything, David, that was our 
biggest challenge that we found, the language, particularly the English. Now, we thought at the very beginning, this is probably BNY Mellon specific, because we are, of course, headquartered in the United States and the world's global uh, custodian. But really, you have a lot of large, also financial, uh, financially large um, companies in the, in the financial sphere, uh, Euroclear, for instance, uh, Swift, etc. There, the issue would be the same as for us. So, Caroline, finally, how can we, all the PESs across Europe, they're all trying to work with employers on diversity. Mm-hmm. How can we encourage them to do more? What's the secret? Well, you need the political willingness to to go further and to invest in that. From the government, from the Brussels government, or from within the organisation, from within the PES? Both, 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 really. We have a a specific budget for this. You can also get a financial incentive as a company if you do a a diversity plan. But of course, we invest in in, um, personnel as well in the diversity unit. And I think every PES should also look at itself because each of us, we are employers ourselves. For example, at Actiris, we are 1,650. So we have our own diversity manager, our own diversity plan. So they can start looking at themselves and trying to be a good example for other public companies and private companies. Bjorn, any last thoughts on working with public employment services? That was actually an interesting bit because Actiris, what Caroline just mentioned, is an own employer in its own right. So we could we <laughs> could almost compare notes because our size, by the way, of the European Bank is, is pretty much the same mm-hmm. in terms of people employed. Any, any last thoughts, uh, David? I think two I would like to mention. The one is if you, as an employer want to embark on, on on this journey, it is really a journey. It is nothing that can be put down in one document and then you achieve whatever you needed. You need to be cognizant that it is a journey. You need to raise awareness. This takes time over time. In our case, again, the employee and business resource groups helped us in doing that and getting it really broadly out to the public, getting it embro- uh, embraced by all of the colleagues. Uh, so it's a dynamic process. It's a journey that you need to be cognizant of. It, it takes time, but it is also a fulfilling progress. Um, the second thing is it helped us to share ideas with others. And again, we found the cooperation with Actir is very useful for that because you can learn what otherwise we would by no, by no means be able to learn from hundreds of uh, companies at the same time, peers and, and, and companies in very different sectors. So... To me, it's about sharing experiences through a network like a tourism that cooperation that works well. Uh, and you need to be open to that. So it's the journey and the openness uh, to listen to others as well. And I hope that our comments, I can only speak for myself, but, you know, Caroline's and my comments here uh, on on this podcast help uh, help others to get on that journey mm. and help others to yeah. wanting to share their experiences mm. uh, and, and wanted to hear from you. Exactly, that's the idea. Spread the word. Let's spread the word. So look, thank you to you both. Our next podcast is going to be actually about Europe's refugee crisis with Johannes Kopp, who's head of the Austrian PEZ, but more importantly, he's head of the whole PEZ network. And then there'll be further expertise on PEZ and refugees. 
We're hoping this Pez pod will build a sense of community in Pez networks across Europe. So if you have any comments on PESPOD, here's an email, empl-pes-secretariat at ec.europa.eu. And you can leave comments there, and the email is also on the PESPOD programs. So who would you like us to interview? Just email us and tell us. And what would you like us to interview them about? Just email us and say. PESPOD is produced for the PES Network by the European Commission, with technical support from Equal Institute. The technical producer is Mark Berta. Thanks again to Caroline. And Thank thanks you, again David to you. and Bjorn. Thank you again to you, Bjorn. Thanks for having me. And looking forward to next time.